This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the May 9th edition of Invest Talk. Now, together, we're working our way toward a financial independence. Are we not? As with most decisions in life, the issues are at hand are always not black and white. You can't just, okay, I need to buy this and sell that. It's clear as a bell. It's never that simple. There are positives and negatives. And then you just weigh them and decide which ones are more important than others. If, you do, if you're buying a stock or a mutual fund or ETF and you say there are no negatives in it, then you haven't done your homework. Every position has negative. Matter of fact, that's the first thing you should look for is the negatives of something. If you're buying or selling, what's the downside of either one of those? That's what you're supposed to do. Now, when we do have tools. You have two basic things to look at. And we know it's fundamental analysis and technical analysis of whatever it is, whatever asset you're buying. So we're going to have a, we're going to have a webinar on that, and as I've told you, it's going to be on the 30th of this month. So I hope you can join us. It's at 6:30 p.m. Pacific time. You can sign up for free on investtalk.com. That's investtalk.com with two T's. Just look for the Invest Talk tab, and we'll help teach you how to analyze these things. Now I hope you feel welcome to bring your questions to the table, from beginner to experience. Everyone is welcome. Doesn't matter. So let's get to one of those that came in before today's program on our 24-hour list online. 888-99-CHART is how to reach us anytime. Uh, hey, guys. I listen to your show, uh, and I like it. I have a quick question. I'm getting ready to invest about uh, $200,000, and I want to uh, have a it to generate about $10,000 a year in cash for a family vacation every year. So I need to have an investment that uh, yields uh, cash in either dividends or uh, or disbursements, and I was wondering what you would recommend. Okay, uh, that means you're needing about five percent return on your two hundred thousand, and you probably don't want to take that much stock risk. Um, so I, I will tell you this: our balanced income portfolio. The bond side of that, which is half bond, half high dividend paying stocks, throws off about 5%. 5% on 200000 is $10,000. We have an all, we have a more conservative account called the uh, stable income, which is nothing but a bond ladder, which is producing about 5%. So if you want to take very little stock market risk and you want to produce that kind of money, I would suggest a bond ladder. Now, high-quality bonds, not, I'm not talking about junk bonds, you'll get about 5%, and that interest, that percent, that yield should go up over the coming years because interest rates are rising. So that's how you would do it and not have a lot of stock market risk. Now, if you expose to the stock market risk, you might get more than 5%. Matter of fact, long-term, you would. But you would have a lot more volatility. There's a lot more risk involved. You know, I'm uh, using that 200,000. There may be a, a year where the market goes down 30 plus percent. Remember, it went down 50 percent in 2008, and then you got to make all that up. Meanwhile, you're trying to take 10,000 dollars out a year. 
So that would really be difficult to take that out during those down years. So I wouldn't suggest 100% exposure to the stock market. I would not. And if all you're, if you're content with just 10000 a year based on that 200000 then I would suggest a bond ladder. Now, you may not be able to do it yourself. And I'm not talking about mutual funds. I'm talking about the actual bonds themselves. That's what I would do. We talked about them, and if you we we do have that program. If you want some details on how it works, just go to investtalk.com and click on contact us and send me an email. Be happy to talk to you about it. We talked about the market every day. You know that, and you might you may miss the fact that the market is made up of a bunch of sectors, as is the economy. Each of these can act quite differently from the market as a whole. Right, because different sectors move up and down within the whole market. So let's talk about an example. Stocks traded higher today. Okay, uh, the Dow is up what 182 points, but we could look closer and say that stocks were led higher by rallies in energy and financials and industrial sectors. So you can say, well, what if you weren't in those three? Well, you didn't do up, weren't up the, the 182 points. You weren't up the, the percentage of the overall market. If you own energy stocks, they were given a boost by President Trump's decision to pull the U.S. out of the Iran nuclear deal. That raised oil prices. And he's imposing sanctions on them. So Iran's an oil producer nation, big time. So that caused a lot of pressure. So the market is divided up in 11 different sectors. 11 sectors of the economy. You can think of it as a broader term than industry. Industries are a little different. Industry is, is a set of businesses that are buying and selling such similar goods and services that they are a direct competition with each other. That's industries. Sectors is broader. Now, within, within each sector, there are a number of different publicly traded companies that share the same broad focus. This arrangement enables investors to zero in on specific area of the economy. If that's what you want, you can use sector rotation. You know, determine what sector is less favored, what sector is coming into favor. And you can use the ETFs, exchange-traded funds, to do it. You don't have to use individual stocks. Now, do you have questions about sectors? That's something we could talk about today. 888-99-CHART. You can bring your question to the program. Our main talking point is are popular energy market, I'm sorry, popular emerging markets a good choice for the average investor? And especially we're going to talk about bonds. There's some other topics we want to talk about. When, uh, I want to talk about this correction we're still in, right? Started in uh, January, February. And I've talked about it numerous times. But where, where is it going to go from here? And, you know, no one really knows, but I want to explore some of the possibilities. Uh, also, there's been some recent study, a couple of them actually, people conceive fewer children before recessions. Why is that? People conceive fewer children before recessions. So is that a leading economic indicator? Is that what that's saying? I think so. Let's explore that idea. And how... Do you realize how big our economy is? I don't think people have a really good concept of how big our economies are. And even our individual states. Well, there was an article in MarketWatch that pointed out the different sizes of our uh, state's economy and compared that with whole countries around the world. 
I'm going to share some of that with you. I think it's very interesting. It's not only how big the states are, but how efficient our economy is compared to other people's, compared to other economies around the world. And I'm not talking about third world economies. I'm not talking about first world economies. This is going to, you'll find this interesting. I thought it was pretty entertaining, actually. So those are the things we're going to talk about. The market was up. The Dow 182, the NASDAQ up 73, and the S&B up 26. Um, it started off kind of flattish, so and even down negative a little bit, and then rallied for the last few hours of the day. This is Invest Talk. I'm financial advisor Steve Peasley. Beside the energy sector, stocks in the financial sector rose much higher today. The financial sector includes banks, investment funds, insurance companies, real estate firms, now, where does most of the revenue in the financial sector come from? Do you know the answer? Give me a call. 888-99-CHART. You're listening to Invest Talk, and we're listening to you. Get your question to us now at 888 888- 99 chart. That's how to reach Invest Talk anytime. 888 chart. Let's go to Jeff in San Francisco. How you doing, Jeff? Not bad. Yourself, sir? Hey, you need some more uh, wonderful advice uh, you always have. Uh, healthcare sector, yes, no, good time, bad time. What are you saying? Well, they haven't done very good uh, up until a few, about a week or two ago. And they started, it depend, you know, health care sectors are pretty big. Are you talking about drug companies? Are you talking about uh, hospitals? Uh, are you talking thing, about... Uh, SWHFX uh, got a three-star fund with uh, Schwab right now, so... Give me that so symbol again, SW... Everything. Yeah, it's a Schwab fund. Okay. So... Okay. It, it, it I, I think that... Everything, so pharma, bio... Okay. Healthcare, everything. I, I I think I think the whole sector has a good valuation. It's not overvalued because it hasn't been doing that well. So I think this might be a good time to enter that sector, not avoid it, but okay. enter it. So yeah, because tech like seems to be sector. taking a beating right now. And I had a whole bunch of tech stocks and tech funds we're buying, and now all of a sudden I'm yeah, seeing all that there. So trying to see if uh, healthcare seems yeah. to be the new thing. So I think healthcare. Value stocks are looking much better than growth stocks, and tech is growth, healthcare is value, generally speaking. Yeah. Okay? Okay. Thanks, Jeff. Right. Appreciate the call. You appreciate it. Okay, bye. Thank you. Eight, thank you. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. What do you guys want to talk about? How about talking about, we'll go to our emerging market bond funds. Should you be buying emerging market bonds? Now, you know that U.S. government bonds and corporate bonds in the recent years since the, you know, the Fed reduced rates down to zero have not been very forthcoming in yield. The yield has been very, very low. And you can get a lot more yield in emerging market bonds. But then again, there's a lot more risk which we get when you buy emerging market funds. The risks are different. There are more risks. There are more different kinds of risks. For instance, if you buy U.S. government bonds, there's no risk. There's no risk. That's considered a riskless investment. The risk is if the U.S. government goes out of business. Well, that's no risk. I mean, 
Now, if you buy emerging market bonds, there's lots of risks. A lot of emerging markets default on their bonds over time. So there's risk. If you buy a U.S. government or a U.S. municipal bond, a U.S. government bond, a county bond, you have you have a good security knowing uh, that you're buying that in U.S. dollars and you're going to get your yield and you're going to get your money back unless they go bankrupt, right? The same thing is not true in a foreign bond because there's one additional risk and that's the that's the currency risk. If their currency gets very, very uh, cheap compared to ours, when you translate back that money into our currency, you may lose money because of the translation. One of the reasons why they pay a much higher yield. Also, you know that our inflation rate is very steady here in the U.S. Inflation rates in some emerging markets is crazy. You don't know where it's going to go. It can go huge, high, Virtually down to nothing, back to being. See, so there's a there's risks involved. So when you look at an emerging market bond that's paying twelve percent, and you go, "Wow, that looks really good," that's not necessarily so. Okay. Now, emerging market bond funds have returned about six six and a half percent the last twelve months, compared to about a half a percent to one percent for U.S. long-term government bonds. So. You know, yeah, they have been very good lately, but you have to still consider the risks that you're taking when you decide to make that bond buy. Bonds are not simple. It's not like buying a stock. You can buy and sell it, and uh, the value is very clear. It's traded on the open market. Bonds don't do that. They're they're much less liquid. They're much less. Uh, they can be liquid. Don't get me wrong, but they're less liquid than stocks. You listen to Invest Talk, everybody. If you have a question about any money issues on your mind, give me a call. You can do it right now, 888-99 chart. Let's get back to Invest Talk made possible each day by KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. To learn more about the variety of KPP investment programs, go to investtalk.com and click on the Investments tab. And now let's hear your question. 888-99-CHART is our number for InvestTalk. Hey, Steve. It's Carl from Philadelphia. My question is about a closed-end fund. It's the Nuveen Income Closed-End Fund, ticker symbol JPC. And it's, it's share price and it's Dividend has been pretty stable. The dividend is pretty high, relatively speaking. But whenever I see that, I'm always concerned about what's really under the hood. And there's not much. I try looking up on different websites, and there's not much info about it. So when you have a chance, could you uh, just say what you think about it? Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay, this is Jay. P as in Paul, C as in Cat. Nuveen Preferred and Income Opportunity Fund. It's a closed-in fund seeking high current and total return investing in preferred convertible securities. Do you know what all those terms I just said mean? Do you know what a closed-in fund means? That means there's a finite number of stocks, of shares issued, not stocks, of shares issued. So therefore, whatever they hold inside that fund could sell at a premium or a discount to the net asset value of those holdings. So whatever they're worth 
because it's closed in, supply and demand comes into play. So if people really want that 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 ETF, they'll bid up the price above the value of the holdings. Same thing is true with the downside. So that's what closed in fund. And it's seeking total return investing in preferred convertible securities. Do you know what a preferred security is? Do you know what a preferred convertible security is? What does it convertible mean? Okay, so these are preferreds. And preferreds that can convert into stocks of the same company that the preferreds are issued from. You have to understand what that means and what they're doing. They are getting seven point, they have gotten 7.9% yield for the holding on to this. That's what it's paying, 8%. That's very good, right? You like it, right? What's the dangers? What's the risk? Well, the risk is it could sell at a discount. Maybe nobody likes it. The risk is a rising interest rate environment. Maybe uh, more, uh, uh, remember, it's preferred convertible. Convertible. So in a rising interest rate, there probably won't be that much converted into common shares. Maybe you don't want to own the common shares maybe you know, because they, they can convert into them. So what does that mean? What does all that mean? This is what you have to understand. Now, is it a bad? No. I like the fact that they uh, announced a couple of months ago that they're going to repurchase 10 million shares or about 10% of their common stock outstanding. The, remember, it's closed-in funds. So if they take 10% of those shares out, that means that there might there's less shares in the float. And if the demand goes up, then the, it will sell at a higher premium to the net asset value. So that's a good thing, buying those shares. And it looks like it's trying to get off the bottom. It hit a bottom of not about $9.50 back in February. Now it's at $9.85. Doesn't move a lot. Last year, the highest it got was about $10.20. So it's not going to be it's not going to be a dramatic mover for you. You have to live off the yield. And as I said, 7.9%, about 8% right now. And hopefully it can maintain that. I, I don't, I, I, it's a good solid fund. It is, really. 888-99-CHART, that's JPC was a symbol. 888-992-4278. Okay, so where's this correction going? You know, I've talked about corrections at nauseum. I talked about this correction because we have had, we have not had one in quite some time. This is a normal correction of 10%. Okay, that's where the normality ends. Okay, this would be called an intermediate correction, which is a normal correction, and they run from 7 to 12%, and this course was right about right at 10%. Okay, How, the thing that makes it abnormal is an average correction usually lasts about 30 to 35 trading days. And then they recover after about 42 trading days. This is day 63. 63. So we know it's not within the realm of average as far as its length. Its length is much longer. Now, is that something to worry about? Now, some technicians, technicians are people who study charts, some technicians will say that that is. That's a negative situation. That is not, it's moving sideways. And if you look at a chart, it looks like it's forming a sideways triangle. And when it 
and the, where the apex is, the movement up and down, up and down is going to a point that is going to one point at some point break up or break down. Now, how long can it go sideways? Well, this one's gone 63 days so far since the correction began. Okay, so can it go another two months? Surely could. See, there would not be surprise if this correction gets deeper. I would not be surprised. But it's still a correction. It's still inside a correction. And a correction is a very good deep correction is going to be about 20%. Anything beyond 20% is now a bear market. Can we have a bear market in a strong economy? Yes. They just don't last very long or haven't in the past. So what's coming up on the next Invest Talk? Investing for your children. That will be one of the topics for Thursday, tomorrow. As always, we're here to answer your questions on any money topic. Call me now at 888-99-CHART. Our podcast continues, but first, a reminder about our upcoming webinar. Invest Talk host Steve Peasley says, without using fundamental and technical analysis, you're wearing a blindfold. With it, you have a valuable tool. You can look under the hood. Revenues, income. See the company's management structure, the strength of their business. Learn to transform technical data and pricing trends into an actionable trading strategy. Technical analysis doesn't tell you whether or not to buy a stock, but it can tell you when to buy. Fundamental and technical analysis. Now, we don't promise in an hour you can be a master, but at least we'll get you familiar with what to look at, what to consider, what to do more homework on. Using fundamental and technical analysis to take your investing to the next level. And help you understand how to use two of the most powerful analysis tools that investors have. Register now on investtalk.com. That's investtalk with two T's, investtalk.com, and click on the investtalk tab. This is Invest Talk, and Steve is here to help you find answers, see you through the decision making process. Do you have a question right now? Our anytime number is 888 99Chart. 888 99Chart, 888 992 4278. We're going to talk to Glenn, the old Cerrito. How are you doing, Glenn? Pretty good, and yourself, Steve? I'm doing well, and I do appreciate you calling. You know, I say that all the time, but I really do appreciate the calls. I do. Thank you. Well, I, I had a question about uh, what you were just talking about. It looks like, um, you okay. know, I've been looking at the S&P 500 chart, and we've been making lower yes. highs, but the lows have not been going any lower. It seems like maybe we've got support um, at the bottom of the lows, and that maybe the yeah, stretch looks- might be over in a couple of months. It looks like it. What you have, looking, I'm looking at the chart right now. So what you have is you have a higher, a lower highs and higher lows, right? So that's kind yes. of forming a triangle going sideways, right? And yes. and that and the lows look like they hit that the 200-day moving average and bounce off. They did that three times. Uh-huh. Okay. So uh, and recently, four days ago, it did it for you know the third time. So it looks like the market is trying to figure out what direction it wants to go, and I think my personal bit, bit, my personal belief is it's going to break up, 
break up, not down. But I don't think it's going to break up above the old high made at the beginning of the year until the end of this year. So what I think is going to happen, of course, we're all, Glenn, we're looking at the crystal ball here, right? I mean, we're all, and I can tell you my, why my theory, why my theory, why I'm coming up with my theory. It's, I think the market's going to recover, maybe test the, the old high, and then correct again uh, sometime this summer. Okay, that's interesting. And the reason why I say that is because two main factors are the Federal Reserve is going to raise rates in June. And they're probably going to do it again twice this year, making it three times for the year. And we're in a, an election cycle year, the midterm cycle elections. And that won't resolve itself till you know toward the end of the year. So all that probably means that we're not going to, you know, not going to have a lot of confidence. At the same time, on the other side of the coin, earnings are coming in spectacular. But the stock prices aren't moving up. So valuations are getting better and better, and they will continue to get better the next quarter and the quarter after that. So you have, I think, I think eventually earnings wins. Earnings wins, and the market will, will have another leg up. That's my theory. And I'm sticking with it, Glenn. Okay, thanks, Steve. <laughs> thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Okay, there were some studies done. You're going to find this interesting, I think. People conceive fewer children just before recessions. This is a study proving that this is what has happened. This is the this is this is a a, 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 a who is social economic theory of finance, and they did a study which confirmed a second study put out by the National Bureau of Economic Research. And it clearly states, shows that for two or three years before the next recession, birth rates go down. Go down. Birth rates go down. You would think before a recession, with everybody being excited, because two or three years before a recession, like we're now, that's now. When when everything's doing well, jobs are plentiful, everybody's happy, and then birth rates starts to go down. That's very interesting. And do you think it's happening now? Yeah. <laughs> it is starting to happen now. It's happened in the last year or two. And where the birth rates are going down. So is this a leading economic indicator? I think the answer is yes. But just like every other leading economic indicator, you can't say birth rates start down and Two years before we move into recession, or two years and two months. You no, know, a year and a month. No, you don't know. We don't know. There's no way to know how far in advance it, it is with the birth rate. There's no, the study says it's not, it's not that clear as to timing, other than the fact that birth rates go down before uh, a recession. Now, it would be nice if they said birth rates go down before every recession. No, that's not true. Not every recession. Just most recessions. <laughs> but I just found it very interesting that such a correlation exists at all. And it's just the opposite of what you think. Less 
children are being born when the economy is doing great. Less. And that is a precursor to the next recession. Go figure. Now, if you think it's time to review your retirement portfolio, the best way is to have someone who can be objective to look at it. That's me. Okay, I do it regularly. Uh, you need someone to look and see what you're doing. If you're not real confident and understand all the money market economy, all the things that go into managing your portfolio, if you're not confident, you need someone else to help you look at it. I do these in my office here in uh, Southern California. I do it via phone or Skype. I do it, uh, um, I have a date set up for June 6th in San Jose in Northern California. By the way, San Jose is not really Northern California, just so you know. It's in the middle of the state of California. But everybody cons considers San Francisco Northern California. When really, Northern California is above San Francisco. San Francisco is only halfway in the middle of the state, in case you didn't know that. Take a look on a map. Anyways, I will be San Jose, as I said, June 6th. I'd love to meet with you. Go to investtalk.com and click on Portfolio Review. Do you need help with your 401k? Active 401k from KPP Financial helps you make the best possible choices from your employer's plan. Active 401k gives you the guidance, and then you make the changes. Active 401k keeps it current, too. If you'd like to know more about it and how it works, just go to investtalk.com, click on the Investments Programs tab, then Active 401k. Yeah, how you doing, Steve and Justin? This is Tyler over here in Washington State. Uh, I was just wondering if you would uh, take a look at APO, Apollo Group Management, and uh, let me know what you think. I look forward to hearing what you have to say about it. Thank you. Apollo, A-P-O. Let me get it over here on my other piece of software, A-P-O. Okay, uh, Apollo Global Management. Uh, it is a $6 billion company, and so it's mid-cap. Invest in, in and manages funds related to value-oriented private equity and credit-oriented capital markets. Okay, so it's financing, uh, finance, basically a finance company. Invest in man and manages funds related to value-oriented private equity and credit-oriented capital markets. It's going to make, uh, made $4.50 a share in 2017, but that seemed to be an outlier because it made $2.11 a year before and only $2.02 this year. Next year, it's going to make $3.23. So it's very erratic, its earnings. And sales are the same. They're very erratic. Sales went down 70% this most recent quarter. Quarter before that, the last quarter the last year, it was up 35%. So it's it's very erratic. So you you that alone tells you that you got to be really careful with it, and it should have a pretty low P.E. because you can't rely on a month-to-month, quarter-to-quarter kind of numbers. You can't. It pays a 6.8% dividend right now, but you can't rely on that either because of the erratic behavior of sales and earnings. You cannot rely on the 6.8%. Now, it looks like it bottomed at $28, and today it's at $30.33. 
as finding as struggling at the 200 day moving average trying to get above it i think i think it might have a retest of the low here because it's gone down last three days or so two three days and i think you wait for it to come back and get closer to the retest and then buy it if you are going to live on the dividends because that's what you're buying it for. You're not buying it for growth because it's too erratic. And if you're buying it for the dividends, just remember, there's no guarantee that a dividend of 6.6% is stable. You hope that it is, but you don't know that. So for me, I would not buy it because of that. It's erratic sales and earnings are erratic, and the dividend is not stable. It's high, but not stable. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Love to talk to you. We're getting close to, we're well into the second half of the program. The market was uh, up today. Dow was up 182 points. NASDAQ up 73. And then S&P up 26. So, but it was not that way at the beginning of the day. It was kind of on the downside a little bit, flat. Anyways, uh, there's uh, there was a study put out how, how big... Every state's economy, every state in the United States, compared to foreign countries' economies. I found this pretty interesting because it gives you some prospectus of how big we really are. We mean in the United States. For instance, let's take California. California's economy is as big as the United Kingdom, the entire country of the United Kingdom. Texas. Texas's economy is as big as entire country of Canada. So that gives you an idea just 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 how big we really are. But that's really not what struck me about this, even though that was interesting. And I, you know, they they give a bunch of other states, you know, uh, you know, like well, Massachusetts is as big as Belgium, or uh, uh, Oregon as big as Egypt, Iraq. Is the entire economy of Iraq is big as Oklahoma? You know, so it has a bunch of states, all the states listed in what countryside. But that really wasn't the most fascinating part of this thing. The most fascinating part was this: is this. Now I know I'm kind of a nerd kind of thing about this, but as I just told you, California gross domestic product was you know is same as United Kingdom. That's 2.7 trillion dollars. Okay. So we get we produce in California 2.75 trillion dollars in economic activity with 19 million workers versus Great Britain's 34 million workers. What is that telling us? We are so much more productive. But that's California. Then I looked at the state of Texas, right? Now, Texas, which produces $1.7 trillion to match Canada, this Texas Lone Star State get, does this with 50% fewer workers than Canada. Half the people. That means we're, those half of people are twice as productive as the Canadians. Half the people are twice as productive. What does that equate to? equates to standards of livings. Our standard of living is much higher on a per capita basis. Our productivity is much, much higher on a per capita basis. We're a lot more efficient. 
we're, I don't want to say smarter, but we're smarter in what we work. In our work, we're a lot smarter, a lot more efficient. I find that part the most interesting part of this whole thing. We're here for you. Beginner Experience Investor, 888-99-CHART. That's our anytime number. Hey, Steve. This is Zach from New Jersey. I had a quick question. I have a small position in Badoo, ticker symbol Bravo Indie Dog U. And I just wanted to know your thoughts. It is the China equivalent of Google. I'm not really sure why I invested it uh, to begin with. I'm 21. I had a couple stocks set up for me when I was a kid. And I was just wondering your thoughts if I should buy or sell. It is close to its 200-day moving average. I'm not really familiar with the direction that this company is headed, and I'd love to get your input. Thanks. Bye. Okay, no problem, but let me just remind you that next time you buy something, you have to know a lot more about it. You're just buying blind. So don't do that. This is the proper pronunciation is Baidu, B-I-D-U, uh, is the symbol. It's spelled B-A-I-D-U, Inc. It's an ADR. What does that mean? It means it's a foreign company, and this one is China, okay, trading on our exchanges. ADR means a foreign company sponsored by one of our big banks, Goldman Sachs, Wells Fargo, to trade on our economy. Therefore, and that means they have to report using GAAP, general accounting principles, rules, and do they have to fo follow the New York uh, stock exchange rules, they got to do things that, that may not be applied where they're in their country, but if they want to trade here, they got to do it a different way. Baidu, you're right. It is Chinese provider of internet search, targeted for advertising, all that stuff. So they're the Chinese equivalent of Google, of searching. Uh, it is a very good growing company. It's a it's a growth company. Uh, start to tr the uh, the stock price is two hundred sixty one dollars, but it's going to make twelve dollars and sixty eight cents next year. This year it's going to make ten dollars and fifty eight cents. That's a twenty percent increase in sales uh, earnings, and it's, it, the sales are increasing about thirty to thirty five percent a quarter. So the PE of twenty four is not that out of line for this kind of growth. It is a $91 billion company. I think you hold on to it. I think you hold on to it. I don't know if you add to it because it depends how big of it is of your portfolio, but you certainly don't sell it. It's got really good numbers. Yeah, you have a risk because it's a Chinese company, but you know, you take that's what we're in the business to do is take risks in the stock market. We have time for your call as we move into the last segment of the hour. Check in now at 888-99-CHART. Not chart. 888-99-CHART. Join in the discussion. Calls on Invest Talk for this Wednesday, May 9th. Not only could it lower your taxes, it may also provide a route to owning their first home in a challenging market for first time buyers. Investing for your children. That's next time. Do you have a money question for Steve right now? 888 99 chart is how to reach him on Invest Talk. 888 
1999 chart. Let's go to uh, Mushhack. Mushhack? I don't want to mispronounce, mispronounce your name, yeah, but Mushhack? Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, that's okay. right. Um, so, Steve, uh, thanks for the program. So, uh, I'd like to know here your uh, view on uh, stock Logitech, L-O-G-I. Um, so, yeah, thanks. Okay, L-O-G is in George. Yeah, L-O-G-I is the symbol. Uh, let's type that in, L-O-G-I. Um, okay, Logitech uh, is um, out of Switzerland. So it's a foreign company, ADR traded on our exchange. Swiss manufacturer of personal, per, uh, personal peripherals for computers and other digital platforms. It's a $6.5 billion company. So it's not small. It's mid-cap, mid-size. It's growing very nicely uh, between you know 15 and 20% sales in the last you know, three or four quarters. Earnings are going to go up 8% this year, then another 13% next year to $1.97, and it's a $40 stock. So we're looking at a 21 PE. The five-year range of the PE is uh, 10 to 27. So it's nearer the higher end of the range than the lower. Great return on equity of 29%, meaning that's, you know, it's pretty efficient with its money uh, and returning it to you, making money on its sales and things. Uh, mutual funds are been buying slowly, and looking at the chart, what is the chart telling us? Is it a good thing to buy, time to buy it? Well, it just had its earnings report, and the earnings report were pretty darn good. So that bumped it from like thirty-seven to thirty-nine fifty in one day, which is about eight nine percent, and that was about four or five days ago. So now uh, it's moved up. The top was $43 back in February. Uh, I think I think it, it's a good company. It's good. If you own it, just keep it. But if you're looking to buy it, it's kind of in the middle of the area where you want to buy. It's not, it's not inexpensive or near support, and it's not near resistance. It's kind of in the middle. So for me, I'd probably wait to see if I can get a better buying opportunity. But if you own it, I'd keep it. Do you own it, Meshach? Uh, did I lose them? Okay. Well, if you own it, I'd keep it. If you don't own it, I'd be, I, I just will put it on my watch list and watch it. If it goes back to the $37 area, I'd buy it. If it breaks above 43 because that's resistance, I'd buy it. But it's right in the middle of that area. L-O-D-I, L-O-G-I is a symbol. L-O-G-I. Now, did you see... You know, every week I talk about this all the time. Economic numbers. So I put it. I put it in the premium newsletter. It goes out every Friday. I talk about the important economic numbers that reported out this week. And you know that the Fed last week did not increase interest rates, right? Did not. And you go, well, they said they were going to increase them. Why didn't they do it? Well, today. Well, actually, was it today? Yes, it was today. This morning, before opening, the producer price index numbers came out. Now, that's PPI. The producer price index is an inflation gauge at the producer level, at the production of goods and services level. Tomorrow, we're going to have the consumer price index. And that's what we pay, you and I, what we pay at the retail level. So if there's not a lot of inflation at the producer level, then there probably won't be a lot of inflation at the consumer level. So we'll know that by tomorrow. So 
Now remember, I'm trying to, I'm relating this. Why would the Fed raise interest rates? Two reasons in this environment we're in. One is just to get the rate up higher so that they can fight the next recession. And two, because inflation's coming out of control, getting out of control. They expected the producer price index number to be three-tenths of percent growth. It came in at one-tenth of one percent. No inflation at all. Maybe that's why they didn't raise the rates. Time to end the hour, everybody. Reminder, I will be in San Jose next month for individual retirement views. To set up a time just to go to investtalk.com, click on the Invest Talk tab, then Portfolio Review. Remember, the date for San Jose is June 6th. To save your time that day, you've got to go to investtalk.com. Click on the Invest Talk tab. Be happy to do it. Okay? I'm financial advisor Steve Peasley. Justin Klein and I thank you for making this part of your day. And let's do it again tomorrow. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.